Welcome to Stay at Home, Mom, with your illustrious host, Leslie Goodgesell, mother to six beautiful daughters, wife to an amazingly hardworking and supportive husband, homeschooler, and homesteader in the making. Join me on this journey, this blessing of what motherhood looks like. counted among the 60 to 70 million Americans who suffer from some kind of bowel inflammation or been diagnosed with something extreme like IBS, ulcerative colitis, or even Crohn's disease? Well, you're in luck because today, that's what we're going to talk about. Welcome to this week's episode of Stay at Home, Mom. I would like to introduce you to an amazing woman who has an incredible testimony about healing the gut through fermentation. So stay-at-home listeners, let's welcome Billy Moni to the podcast. I'm so happy that you're here. It is so exciting to me to have you on the podcast so all of my listeners can hear your amazing testimony. Billy and I met just this last school year with our homeschool co-op. That's right. And I didn't know she had this vast knowledge of all of these things until she taught a fermentation class, <laughs> which I was incredibly intrigued with. That kind of brought me to asking, well, why do you do all this fermentation? Because typically people have a purpose for the way that they choose to live. Right. Billy, I'm going to kind of give the floor to you and let you share your testimony. All right. Well, thank you for having me. It is always a pleasure to be able to share the story of uh, my family and just our fermenting journey, Um, even though it wasn't a really pleasant time that brought us to this, we are super thankful looking back on being here now. So um, the, the ongoing joke is always that I will ferment whatever I can get my hands on. And so, so awesome. <laughs> yeah. The kids get frustrated with me from time to time because I'm like, ooh, I think I can ferment that. <laughs> no, mom, we do not ferment strawberries. Exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so about five and a half to six years ago, we were living out in Washington State. And my son, the middle of our five children, had just finished wrestling season and he had just jumped right on into basketball season. He was six years old, so an active, energetic little boy that had two older sisters and two younger sisters. You know, he should have been in the best shape of his life at that time because he was so active and was involved in sports and everything. And my husband noticed one day that he couldn't even run a lap around the basketball court without getting super winded. He even pointed out to me, he said, man, Miles just looks really pale. And I said, well, we live in the Pacific Northwest. Everybody looks pale. (laughs) See, the sun, vitamin D is not a thing we get. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) 
So we just kind of disregarded it and moved on. Then it got to the point where he would start complaining about some abdominal pain, and it was really sporadic and random. I was trying to think, well, goodness, does he have a food allergy or something? Is his body reacting negatively to something? But I couldn't pinpoint anything. There was one day that I was at the grocery store with all of the kids, and he could not even walk down an aisle without asking me if he could sit down. And I thought, something is going on here. This is not typical behavior. Part of what really broke my heart was that I would watch him go out and play with his sisters. But instead of really playing with them, he would sit down on the ground beside the trampoline while they were all bouncing. And like just a mom seeing her son, you know, that way I was going, this is not right. So again, like we aren't ones to just rush to the doctor for any little thing, but I kept pushing it off and pushing it off until one day he was sitting beside me and he was writhing in pain so severely that he was sweating. And I thought, this is pain, you know, like this isn't him dramatic or anything like that. Off to the hospital we went, took him to the ER and they said, it's probably just a virus. It'll pass. That's always their answer. Right. Just yeah. go home. If somebody dies, call us back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Then we'll be here to help. Right, exactly. You know, we had nothing else to go on. So back home we went. Overnight, the pain got even worse. We went back again. They ran some tests on him. They said, well, everything's coming back fine. It might be like a urinary tract infection, something like that. But none of the lab work or anything that we've done is showing any markers of anything. Just give it time. Back home, we went again. (laughs) You're like, we have been giving it time. That's why I'm here. Exactly. Yeah. Like, But when you walk into your modern medical facility nowadays, um, especially with five kids, and as someone who doesn't vaccinate, they kind of form their own opinions of you. (laughs) You do. They do. Vaccinate your kid, then bring them back and we'll help. Exactly. Yeah, then we'll take you seriously. (laughs) Right. Third time's the charm, I suppose. We went back to the hospital when things did not get better. They ran some more tests and they said, you know, we think his intestine has telescoped inside itself, but we can't do anything for you here. We don't treat children. So we're going to have to send you to Tacoma and they'll take care of you. So off to Tacoma we went. When we first got there, they put him in isolation. They thought he had some type of like communicable disease or something. They were from head to toe. They were scrubbing in and scrubbing out. And um, he wasn't allowed to eat or anything for like two whole days. My goodness, great. Every commercial he would see on TV, he thought he just wanted to eat everything. (laughs) He's drooling. He's yeah. I think sounds good. Exactly. So after running every possible test they possibly could on him, they came back and they said um, he has two out of the three genetic markers for Crohn's disease. We were shocked. Wow. There wasn't even a word that was in our vocabulary. Um, nobody in our family had been diagnosed with anything like that before. Our knowledge was that you actually couldn't even be diagnosed with that until you were like between the 12 and 16-year-old range. But this hospital said, oh, no, we we diagnosed 18-month-olds 
with Crohn's disease. But it's usually a direct result of vaccination. Most Crohn's, IBS, ulcerative colitis, those things that happen in children, it's actually one of the side effects of vaccination, which your kids didn't have. No, no. Yeah. Like really out of the out of the blue. Exactly. What is happening? Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. So we, the first doctor that we had, she came in with an agenda. She wanted to push her prescription medication. She wanted to let me know that I was um, more or less abusing my children by not vaccinating them. She even gave me a book about vaccinations. <laughs> Did you give her a few back? <laughs> I know. Oh, jab. Here's this. Like, I've got, a, I've got a library I can share. Yeah. It's funny to talk about this because, you know, this was six years ago and my oldest kids remember the conversations between me and that doctor because they could tell how tense and heated it was. (laughs) It is burned in their core memory. Exactly. They're like, oh, she picked the wrong person. (laughs) I love it. You showed your children, actually lived out an example to them of how to advocate, not only for your child, but for yourself and your beliefs. You took a stand in a way that your kids were like, oh, hey, I don't have to back down when an authority figure comes at me and says, this is really how you should be doing this. Exactly. I can stand firm. Props to you. I'm proud of you, Leanne. (laughs) Thank you. That is one of the things that my husband and I have have realized looking back on this whole situation was that so many parents don't feel like they can advocate for their health or their children's health when they're in a hospital or some or even a doctor's office. Yeah. And it's really sad. Mm-hmm. It is. We experienced that with Sophia when she was in the hospital. We fired a doctor and we fired a nurse. Yeah, because nobody knows your kids better than a mom and a dad. Yeah. Right. Did you kindly ask her to step off of your son's case? I mean, it it was tense there for probably about 24 hours once she finally felt like that she had the right to tell me how to parent. But then she went off shift. It was by God. So as she went off shift, a new doctor came in. He said, I kind of get the feeling that you like to do things a little more natural. And I said, absolutely. So he said, well, I know of a diet. He said, many fail at this diet because it is so difficult to maintain. But if you're interested, and I said, I will do anything I need to. Because at this point, they were talking about putting a port in my son for weekly infusions. They were talking about um, that medicine was going to cause him to lose his hair. It was going to cause him to be sterile so that he would not be able to father any children. They Oh, they were talking about a colostomy bag. Yeah, it's ridiculous, but they're like, oh, well, you must be deficient in this drug. Let me give you this drug. And how can I make a decision about my six-year-old son to say, sorry, buddy, you're not going to be able to have kids when you grow up. You know, like there has to be options. Before this new doctor came on, um, the other doctor was trying to, she would send people strategically into our hospital room to distract us so that they would send in the other people to administer the medication that we had already said no to. Um, So they're just, 
there was all sorts of stuff that we were going, man, this is horrible way to handle it. But thankfully, we didn't give in. <laughs> I'm proud of you. Good job advocating for your son. Thank you. And in that process, you gained this wealth of knowledge. You are a wealth of knowledge now. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So that was what led to this journey of fermenting. We dove headfirst into the diet that the doctor recommended, which was um, SCD, the specific carbohydrate diet. And I learned more about food than what I have ever wanted to know. <laughs> And so we did that hardcore for nine months and just really stuck to it. And through that entire nine months, I just kept researching and was going, you know, there's got to be more to it. This increase in these types of diseases, this is not the way it's supposed to be. And so did your whole family implement the diet or were you just doing it for miles? No, the entire family got on board. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I am. I'm like, oh, one of you've got it. We're all doing them. Exactly. Line up. Singling anybody out. No, no. And they were totally good with it because they they saw that he was going to have to do without so much. And it wasn't that we ate poorly before. We just didn't eat really good either, you know. So through my research, I ran across fermenting. And I was going, well, that makes perfect sense that that's the way our ancestors preserved their food. It's so natural, so simple. The benefits of it are just phenomenal. And so we really, um, right now, our diet is if we can uh, grow it, if we can raise it, if we can kill it, then we're going to cook it. (laughs) Yeah. That's what we we try to stick by. And that is not to say that we don't cheat, you know, and have a good old Oh, you only ever eat fermented food. Right, right. I want to be like you when I grow up. I have so much to learn from you. Oh, I'm always learning, always learning. Your whole family switches to this diet and then you come across fermentation. How did you start fermenting? Because James and I studied this, oh my goodness, 10 years ago. Yeah. And we were so overwhelmed Yeah, that we were like, yeah, we can't do this. But we also had a medically fragile child mm-hmm. and that wasn't resolved until she was almost five. Wow. So for five years, we were dealing with that. It seemed so out of reach and unattainable. Right. For us. So what were the steps that you took to start it to get to where you are today? Because like you are probably the best fermenter I know. Well, thank you. (laughs) I just go by the philosophy of I have to start somewhere. And whenever I am analyzing all of the different options, because you're right, it is very overwhelming to go, am I going to mess this up? Or, you know, can I even... Are we all going to end up with botulism? Like, (laughs) what happens if everybody gets sick and it's my fault? It's all because I was trying to make everybody healthy. I know. Like, that's what freaked me out. So the first question I ask myself is, is my family even going to entertain eating this? You know, because if it doesn't taste good, then I'm not even going to want to eat it. And it's not worth the fight for me. Oh, I think the first item that I started out with was kombucha. Um, Really? 
Yeah, because I knew that we enjoyed drinks and different flavors of things. And so I thought, let's give it a try. And we really enjoy tea. I think kombucha is just pretty mild. We started with that and everyone was on board. They loved it and I couldn't keep up with making it. And so then I'm also of the opinion that I'm not going to add anything else until something becomes my daily rhythm or just a part of our normal routine. And that's what I did with the kombucha. Yeah. Oh, that's genius. (laughs) Honestly, because I feel like when you jump into something new like that, you feel like you have to do all of the things all at once. Right. Or you're not doing it. Yeah. And taking a step back and be like, okay, well, let's start with the easiest thing. That's kind of what we've done, thanks to you. I mean, we started with one of your scobies. Right. (laughs) Just a little chunk off of a little chunk of one of your scobies. Yeah. And it did. It's become this constant thing where, I mean, we had it going until until the dog decided to eat it. But <laughs> we'll start over because it did get to the point where we're like, OK, this is exactly how we like it brewed. This is we don't flavor it at all. Yeah. We just brew it, bottle it, let it set. And then we do a second ferment because we do like it fizzy. Right. But we don't have to because it tastes so good and everybody in the house likes it. Good. I love sauerkraut and I've tried to buy so many different brands of sauerkraut. Everybody hates it. Yeah. So what did you do to make sauerkraut appealing (laughs) to your kids? Because sometimes it's too spicy or just hot, like peppery hot. Sometimes it's so sour or bitter Mm. that it just leaves a weird aftertaste. So I have yet to find a store-bought one, fresh or canned that my kids will even eat. I'm hoping that I can learn how to make it fresh so that they'd be more inclined maybe. So after the kombucha, what did you do as your next, hey, we're going to introduce this now? Yeah. Yeah. My next one was fermented vegetables. And I decided that carrots would be the one to go with all my research. That seemed to be the most popular one. And so we did dilly carrots. And I just stuck with that for a while. Yeah. That actually sounds so good. It's dinner time. You can tell I'm hungry. I'm like, sorry. I'm like, dilly carrots sounds so good. My mouth is watering. I think that the fermenting of vegetables is easier than even the kombucha. So Really? Oh, good. (laughs) Yeah. After having that, I mean, my kids will make fermented vegetables now. I can just say, we need to ferment some more and off they go and get it done because they've seen me do it so much and it is just so simple that anybody can do it. So you go from kombucha to dilly carrots and then is there something that you introduced that all of your kids were like, I don't know about that, mom? (laughs) Well, I have had a couple of fermented vegetable fails where it did not go well or taste very good at all. But and we we like to laugh about those. Milk kefir has probably been the hardest one to get everybody on board with. But it is one of those that I'm not willing to let go of because it has so many benefits to it. Um, Are you using raw cow milk or raw goat milk? Cow. Cow. Okay. Yeah. I find it interesting that your kids are like, I don't know about the kefir. (laughs) Well, you know, I am willing to admit that I might be doing something wrong. (laughs) 
Uh, still learning. So I, I am. The store-bought kefir and the homemade kefir are completely different I believe. in flavor. And so the homemade kefir can get a pretty strong taste to it. Um, but I still make them drink it not not just plain. We hide it in smoothies. <laughs> You're like sitting on them open your mouth. I know, I know. <laughs> the neat thing about all of it is that the kids now recognize when their bodies need something that is good for them. They crave it, you know. So after they got introduced to the kombucha and got used to it, they started to notice differences in how they felt. Then they were more open to, all right, mom's now fermenting vegetables. Okay, this is going to make me feel better. And so it just, it's nice when they can recognize it themselves. I think having gone through all the things with James that we did and learning as our kids were growing, it's made them acutely aware of how their bodies are functioning. I can't even imagine because I've only dealt with it as a spouse. As we changed our diets with James, I noticed my kids actually had gut issues, which I hadn't Mm. really paid attention to or I never really thought was abnormal per se. And as we changed our diet, their issues start like Josie had chicken skin and that went away. Gianna actually never had a solid bowel movement and she was five by the time we completely cut gluten. Then all of a sudden she started having solid bowel movements. I didn't even realize that my kids were having gut issues exactly. because we, we eat healthy. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> yep. It is incredibly hard to eat healthier than even what you want to, whether it's cost or it just isn't available unless you are growing it and raising it yourself. Absolutely. Once you started taking this fermentation journey, even though you were doing this other diet, how did Miles' demeanor change? Well, he had already kind of had a reset with his body because we had done the diet for so long whenever I started incorporating the fermented stuff. But as we started in on the fermentation journey, we were able to not be so strict on the other diet because the other diet was gluten-free, grain-free, sugar-free, starch-free. Some people even on that diet recommended no dairy. And I thought, we can't eliminate that too, you know? (laughs) It's no secret that the stuff we're putting in our bodies isn't giving our bodies what it really needs. It's It might be what it wants. It's not what it (laughs) And I don't know that it's necessarily what our bodies want. Because if we listen to our bodies, our body would be like, absolutely not. But our taste buds have been conditioned to want these sweet, sugary things when our body actually isn't created to desire those things. Because when you deny yourself that, I mean, nine months with zero sugars or starches or anything, that's a long time. Your body at that point craves no sugar. Right. You already broke down that communication in that part of the brain that says we need sugar. There's no candida left feed. Exactly. It really made me more aware of how we reward everything with food. Everything, you know, because whenever Ah. you are limited to what you can and cannot have, then you're like, oh, you did such a great job. Let's go get, you know, whatever candy or whatever it is, you know, that you fill in the blank. And I'm like, man, we really are just an obese society. (laughs) We're all conditioned the same way. Exactly. Yep. 
So Miles was probably fine with the fermentation stuff because he's like, yes, give me something different. Give me something new. Yeah, he he liked that we were starting to implement some of the things that were off limits again, you know, because we went back to having grains in our diet, but only sourdough, you know. So again, I was able to trade out where we were just doing like almond flour and coconut flour. And now I could not buy that as much. And I could do sourdough with the fermented breads instead. And it was still giving the gut what it needed to have. That would be amazing. That's my next thing. Yeah. Maybe after the maybe after the carrots. <laughs> I want to try my hand at sourdough because I make all of my own breads from scratch, but I would love to move completely away from like the white rice flour, the brown rice flour, tapioca, potato starch, all of the things that make gluten-free gluten-free. It's really high in starches and I don't necessarily want to off-balance my kids' chromium intake and balance so that they start having sugar issues. Right, exactly. Even hearing you talk about the rice is triggering in me the maybe a little bit of PTSD from when we were on that diet because there was even so much gluten-free stuff that he couldn't have, we couldn't have because it has the rice in it and the rice is yep. filled with the starch. And so I, yep. you do get to the point where you're like, what can you eat that is good for you, you know? Nothing. If it doesn't grow from the ground, you can't eat it. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Which kind of brings you back to thinking where our body is completely designed just to eat whatever grew from the ground. Maybe we were never intended to consume dairy, meat, all these proteins that we're putting in our bodies, which when the Lord said, you know, this is all for you, it wasn't the animals that he gave to eat. It was the fruit of the ground. Right. It makes sense that when we're dealing with acute chronic disease, inflammation, to go back to the foundation really of what creation was. Exactly. And that is not easy. No, no. Because we are brought up in society that says you need bread. Yeah, that will make you happy. (laughs) Right, exactly. That will fill the hole in your heart. You don't need Jesus. You need a donut. Oh. It, it's almost that extreme. It is. I agree. People definitely use food as a pacifier. For sure. Which leads us into chronic diseases and inflammation. What I find incredibly unique about Miles' story is that he wasn't vaccinated. Right. You didn't give him a bunch of pharmaceutical drugs or no. he wasn't raised in that mentality to begin with. Right. And Still, his gut still got attacked, Mm -hmm. which brings me to the conclusion that all of these things are the external toxins and whatever we come into contact with, with our water, with our food, that we don't even realize that it was attacking this young six-year-old child to the point where it had him in the hospital. Like To me, that's so real. Yeah. And and it makes me think twice about what I am willing to put in my body. Exactly. And especially, I wish I had known then what I know now before I had babies, how to take care of my own body. Right. So that I was giving them the tools, the nutrients, the foundational DNA that they needed mm-hmm. to grow up healthy so that they didn't struggle with the things that we do now. But hearing Miles' story, his testimony is so sobering to me because it's 
not something that you typically hear. Right. Most kids that I know of that have GI issues, they are vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Partially vaccinated, fully vaccinated. My kids are almost all of them are fully vaccinated because I didn't learn what I did until I was pregnant with Lacey. Right. She's my only kid that really doesn't suffer with any issues at all. Isn't that amazing? It is. Even knowing what we knew, I still wasn't making the best choices for my body. Right. But mm-hmm. fermentation, I feel like, takes you to a whole nother level. It's not just about changing your diet and eating. Right specific foods, it's eating foods prepared the correct way. Exactly. Yeah. Because we are such a society that thinks that you have to cook things into submission before you eat them. You know? I love that. That was perfect. <laughs> oh, or even, you know, refrigerate everything. And that's not the case with fermentation where you're just, you're eating it in its natural state, but It's got all of the extra benefits to it, and it is easier for your body to digest and to break down and to be able to get the nutrients from it that it needs. Which when you're cooking your stuff into submission, (laughs) I love that. You are stripping every nutrient that your body could actually utilize. But I also try to remind my kids of this because one kid cooks her eggs until literally they are smoking. Nothing nutritional in that. Exactly. But trying to even teach them like, hey, overcooking food is really not good. You only want to cook it until it's edible. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean it's mushy. It's retraining our brains along with retraining our bodies. Absolutely. It's a lifestyle change. It is. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Is there anything that you want to leave the podcast listeners with? Any tips or advice or encouragement? Oh, I think just based off of my experience, start somewhere because whatever you do is better than what you're currently not doing. And so, you know, if you think it is overwhelming, it can be if you allow it to be. But just take that first step, incorporate one thing into your daily rhythm and then go from there. Awesome. That is perfect advice. And I am taking it to heart. I am receiving it. That was for me, everybody. (laughs) I don't know if it was for any of the listeners, but it was definitely for me. You knew. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Billy. I look so forward to speaking in a couple weeks at our event at my property. Not going to be a big, huge shindig, but it is definitely the vision that we had when we moved here to educate people and bring all local people together to learn from one another because we all have our strengths and we all have our weaknesses. And when we work together, we get to fill in all those gaps. And absolutely. I am so looking forward to it. Well, I appreciate you asking me to. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your knowledge and your heart for seeing people be healthy. It's very commendable and admirable. And I appreciate you so much. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Well, stay-at-home mom listeners, I pray that you really enjoyed that interview with Billy, getting to know where she's coming from and what her expertise is with healing the gut through fermentation. If you get a chance, hop over to Eventbrite and check out our event page for the RSB Family Union happening July 14th to the 16th. And if you were able to make it, you'll actually be able to catch Billy 
live, I'm sure she's going to have some kind of hands-on learning experience for all of us to really get a good feel for fermentation. You can also hear myself, RSB, Ula Tinsley, Kimberly Overton, Taryn Gregson, possibly Ben Tapper, Kevin's going to be there, Lorelai, Laura, a whole bunch of people from our RSB community, Sherry, Neil, you don't want to miss any of it. Everybody is going to have amazing things to speak on. It'll be so edifying and uplifting. I really pray that you can come. Also, don't forget to check below in my little show notes where we have our affiliate link for Rejuva Minerals, which is a skincare makeup line that we've been using for over 10 years. We really appreciate how they run their company and the products that they supply. You can find my YouTube page, the Instagram link, the Facebook link, all of the things. If you need to get in touch, you want to see what's going on on the homestead, all of the things we've been doing, which has been a lot. We would love for you to follow everything that's going on and be a part of this community. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you. I pray that you build your house with your own two hands, that you love your family, love who you are, and be the best version of yourself. We will connect again next week.